everybody, this is Dr. Deanna Minnick. Welcome to the Color Can Heal Your Life podcast, where we explore how you can get some more color, creativity, and healing in your everyday life. We get to look at the spectrum of eating, living, feeling, and creating that you're all about. So let's dive into the inspiration and information rainbow that awaits us. everybody, this is Dr. Deanna. Welcome to another episode of the Color Can Heal Your Life podcast. I'm really glad that you're here and that you're sharing some time with me. And I can already tell you that this podcast is going to be really informative, but perhaps in a different way than you've experienced my other podcasts. As you know, I like to offer the spectrum of options. I really do think that there are many doorways to healing and we have to find which one will crack open for us a whole new path. And so in this episode, I'm interviewing Shauna Lee. Shauna is a very gifted, intuitive, and energy worker. In fact, she calls herself, you're going to find this really interesting, she calls herself a frequency alchemist. She's also a personal coach and she's worked with thousands of different clients and helped them to really get their alignment, their their inner alignment with their outer alignment uh, happening. So I know that this is going to make a lot more sense as we dip into the conversation. So have a listen in and I think uh, you're really going to appreciate this. I I find this to be one of those podcasts that is quite transformative just listening to the information. It can create a shift right there and then. So here we go. Hello everybody. Welcome to the Color Can Heal Your Life podcast. I am so excited to be here with you today. My guest is Shauna Lee. Shauna, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you. You know, I like I was telling you before we jumped on the call, I was thinking about you last night. I was reading your new book, which is called The Soul Frequency, and I just had, you know, I was really feeling something from your book. I, I really feel like it is groundbreaking. It's really one of those books that creates a transformational shift, and so I'm excited to talk with you about a number of things in the book today, so thanks for, for coming on with me. Oh, thank you for saying that, and I'm happy to be here. So the first question I'm going to ask you is uh, is something that's a little bit of a curveball, but um, what really connects us within this podcast is color. So I want to ask, I kind of have a sense since I know you a bit, but I want to ask <laughs> you um, what your favorite color is, at least in this moment, at, in this moment. <laughs> oh, that's easy. Violet, violet or purple, various shades of purple I'm always drawn to. Um, from the time I was little and I just, um, yeah, I have a connection with purple in so many ways, which you know <laughs> um, why, but it's kind of the, you know, the highest chakra, the the seer, the um, cosmic part of me. We always joke, you and Diana and I always joke that I have cosmic <laughs> I in me. Um, and it's true. And so, yeah, definitely purple. You know what? That's so interesting because um, yesterday I was reflecting on, well, what do I think she's going to say? And I was actually kind of feeling white. And the reason why I'm just going to say white is because, first of all, your book is very clean and white. When I look at your Instagram, it's very white. There's a sense of purity and clarification about white that I get with you. 
And so I know white's not, like, people don't think of white as a color per se, but to me, white carries the whole, it's the prism, it's the spectrum. And so I, I really do see you as that. But yeah, violet, I get that for sure. <laughs> You're very intuitive. <laughs> well, it's funny that you, yeah, well, it's funny that you say the white thing, because what's interesting about my life is I mostly wore black most of my life. And if you read the book, you'll know I wasn't, you know, living my most authentic self. And so this, um, the white opened up for me to where I started wearing white and, you know, like my whole book, like you said, is pretty white. Um, it, it just, it's like a door that opened for me when I started really standing in my truth and sharing my authentic self. And so it's interesting how we express ourselves, right? Through color. We do. And I just happened to see you recently and you were wearing lots of white as well. I don't know if you've uh, consciously realized how you've really created a shift away from the darker colors, and you are now in the spotlight, girl. <laughs> you are, you <laughs> are really you. shining in radiance, and um, it shows for sure. So your your book is um, it's very uh, it's one of those books where when I was reading it last night, I was it's kind of like when you read a couple sentences and you just kind of have to pause. It's one of those kinds of books where it's like it's very like if this was a meal, it would be very nutrient dense. So being that this is not a meal, but a book, it's very, um, I would say, energy dense. And you have a, a, an amazing personal journey and a personal story. And one of the things that I was a little bit surprised by, because, you know, you and I are friends, and so I know a bit about you already. But one of the things I did not realize was the huge extent to which food played a role in your whole journey. And I'm wondering if you can maybe unravel a bit of who you are, maybe through that food path for us. Yeah, so I, I would say, you know, conversations around food dominated most of the first decades of my life. And I really, I mean, if I could go back and, and think about how much time I spent either loathing my body, you know, struggling with food, like I didn't even like to go to parties or social events because it was like horrible for me. I would be like, gosh, I can't have, you know, if there was cookies, a plate of cookies, I couldn't have just one. I would eat, want to eat the whole thing. And, and so I would try to not have one. And then, you know what I mean? And then it'd be in the back of my head the whole time. I couldn't even be present with people. That is how much that ruled my life for so long. And it really started um, when my parents got divorced, which I share about in the book when I was uh, 10 years old. And there was a lot of, um, you know, kind of rough couple years even leading up to the divorce. And I just really turned to food at that time in my life. It became something that was stable in my life and something that was comforting. And, you know, I was largely not aware of the weight I was putting on. I just really went unconscious. You know, sometimes the lights are on, but nobody's home. And, and that's what happens to us sometimes when we have these emotional events is we almost shut down. And I used food for many years and I struggled. I mean, I've done everything like the pills and the not eating and the over exercising and the drugs and I mean you name it I tried it and felt in chaos most of my life about it and the thing to know is that there's just there's always emotions beneath that kind of relationship with food going on and and we're scared of emotions. We don't want to feel emotions. We don't, we're never even taught about our emotions and we're not taught about our energetic system. And those are two things I talk about a lot in the book because they are really powerful and they can shift your life in the most beautiful ways. And so I was able to heal from that struggle and suffering through 
understanding my emotional self better and understanding myself as energy and how to shift that energy. Yeah, you know, that that's very powerful, everything that you just said, because you're really unearthing a lot of the connection that we have with food through that emotional sensor. And, you know, you, you have uh, on page 32, you've got this great quote, and I love how in your book you've got these call-outs, and one of them is, Band-Aids don't heal wounds, just like diets don't heal the reasons why we overeat. And I think that that really speaks to what you were just saying about how whatever we're manifesting in the physical world there's something underneath that that is much deeper always always and and we don't have we don't yet have a place to go or language to ask for how to get to that right so it's it's a very it, that's part of where intuition comes into play but you know, we can, we know we're struggling and suffering and we might even know, gosh, I've been through some tough stuff in my life. And, and that's when I started struggling and suffering and now it continues. But how do I release that? And how do I get to that? And we don't have like a particular place to go yet. Um, although there are many people that, you know, are incredible at helping people with that. But sometimes we just don't even know what to ask for or what we really need or how to get, get, rid of that and move through that and really heal ourselves. So give us uh, some kind of practical way that we can access that. When you say that it's basically we don't know what we don't know. So if we don't realize that things start out there in our energy before they become physically manifest, how do we know what we're looking for then? Like what would be some practical steps that we could take? And I know in your book, at the end of every chapter, it's really cool because you go through these inspired actions. You get us to think about these questions. So how do we start to frame it up? Like, let's just take me as an example. Like I have a connection with sugar and it's real. It's not even just sugar, it's chocolate. And I have this thing with chocolate. I feel like I have a healthy relationship with it now, but let's just say I energetically wanted to go into that a bit deeper. How would you suggest I do that? Well, one of the things, and, and it's in the book to do as well, but I start, when I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, I start with kind of having them retrace their life for me. And obviously it would be a very long call if we went through every detail of what we can remember about our life. But I look at it in kind of 10-year increments. So zero to 10, I know we don't remember zero, but our first memories to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, and so on. And I ask them to tell me the five most terrible or tragic things that happened in that decade and the five happiest and most wonderful things. And as an intuitive, I'm able to get a sense of what has a charge around it. And and the funny thing is that they also sense what has a charge around it. So, you know, oftentimes we don't look back on our life. We're just busy, right? And we're moving forward and we're not necessarily connecting the dots between where these um, relationships with food got created. And so when we start to jog our memory, a fascinating thing happens and people can do this themselves. They can literally just take a piece of paper and go, okay, zero to 10, 10 to 20, and really think back on these, you know, on these times in our life and you'll feel whether something feels good to you or whether you still have maybe some emotion going on about that or even areas you would rather not acknowledge because that just tells us that there's still a lot of pain there. And when we can look at these different times in our lives, like I guide people back to these different times, um, there are relationships that we oftentimes make with food. Look. Like we can't live without food, right? We have to eat to survive. And so we can't abstain from eating. So it creates this interesting relationship because we have to make friends with it or we have to, you know, keep eating. It's not like alcohol or other, you know, addictive substances that people can just stop. And so 
and food is also available to young children, right? Like usually if you're very young, you're not you're not drinking alcohol. So food is something that's readily accessible that we can start using to soothe ourselves. And so it happens for a lot of people in many different ways. And even if somebody's never struggled with their weight, um, they still might have, you know, a thing or a food or two that they feel like, gosh, yeah, this is my, I've got a real connection going on here. So so going through our life and just kind of looking back at the things that we've gone through is, is kind of like a doorway in. And there's always stuff that comes up. Like people will tell me, oh my gosh, I haven't even thought about that in 20 years. I haven't even, until you asked me, I didn't even remember this went on. And so it's just starting to open the door to reconnect with ourselves and who we are and what we've been through. I love it. Yeah, it's so true. And in fact, there's so many people now focusing on the timeline, you know, what you just spoke to zero to 10, 10 to 20. It's almost like this um, birthing of epigenetics, looking at kind of the transgenerational effects of things. And I, I bet you think this as well, although I don't want to assume, but sometimes we can be taking on things not just from our own life, but what our ancestors have really tapped into. Like, I, I'm really into like ancestral DNA lineages. It's kind of like, you know, what did our soul just plop into from a DNA perspective? Because we kind of take all that on too. I don't know if you see that a lot when you're working with people one-on-one. Absolutely. The way I intuit this is like, if you picture like strings on the end of two dots, like if there's a string and there's two dots on the end, it's like I can see the computer programming, right? Like if, if our body is a computer and then we receive programming from the time we come into our body and we come into the body with programming from our ancestors, right? And, and we have an opportunity in this lifetime to break down the programming that's not healthy. Otherwise, it continues on in our genetics if we have children going forward. Um, but I see these lines, right? And the lines go from either past life experiences or, gen- or stuff that's in our genetics genetics or current life experiences when we were children or young adults, and they connect to present day. So I can basically see the energetic line between, let's say, something that happened when someone was six and that they are living out of that decision from whatever happened in current day. And here's how it's affecting their life, right, in a negative way that they don't like. And we can literally just um, dissipate that energetic connection. And sometimes dissipating that connection means understanding what happened when we were six and, and me going back and saying, this is why this is going on in present day. So it's very applicable to right now. Or sometimes we don't even need to know what happened when we were six. We can just dissolve that energetic line as it is. And so it's different for everybody. Every different soul and spirit um, has a different way of learning and has a different way that they need to heal. And so basically, I'm just able to intuit that and kind of work with whatever feels comfortable to the person. And I say all the time that, you know, transformation doesn't need to be super difficult. Sometimes it's challenging. Um, But if we take it layer by layer, meaning like peeling an onion, we don't go to the 20th layer on day one. We just listen to the soul's path. So if you come into session with me, the person will say to me, I'm kind of been thinking about this. And then that's layer one, right? Like they're ready to talk about that layer one. And then the next time they might come and they'll talk about something different. And that might be layer two. And so this is self-guided by one's own soul, which means it's going in the pace that feels comfortable to us. I like that. I like that a lot. It's very personalized then. I'm kind of curious as I was thinking about you dissolving, uh, you know, kind of what that is. Like, 
I'm wondering, like, when somebody mentions something, like if they remember something back when they were 12, like just recently, as I was putting together my newsletter today, I was thinking about my grandmother who died when I was 12. And that was like one of those impactful events because I was really close to her. So I'm thinking, like, if I were to bring up something like that to you, how do you dissolve that? And is that, um, is it more like awareness? Like, it's coming to my conscious mind and so I'm releasing something am I talking through something with you or are you actually performing some activity in order to shift that energy or maybe even all of the above I mean I'm just curious how you work with somebody um, on more of that subtle level Oh, that's a great question it is all of the above and it depends on the person so sometimes like People will literally just by virtue of like, I could say to you, here's what's going on in your present life and the decisions you made about life in general based on your grandmother dying. And you might be like, make an instantaneous connection yourself and dissolve that line yourself, right? Just because I kind of guided you to how this is playing out in your current day. And, and that could just go away. Like it, it ha can happen so fast, like literally instantaneously for other people. They, um, they need a lot of talking around it. So it's like a continual kind of sh perspective shift that's going on little by little and, and, a, and a deepening of the understanding of it for it to start to dissolve. It, it doesn't even depend, like I like to make this clear because it doesn't depend on how traumatic the event was either. So like a little boy being mean to a little girl on the playground could be more traumatic and difficult to dissolve than somebody experiencing sexual abuse, right? And we tend to think that that would be more severe um, of an experience, and it really depends soul to soul. So we can't, oftentimes in life, you know, we discount things that we've been through and say, well, th our adult mind says, that's not such a big deal. You know what I mean? We should be over that. Like, and we can't do that because we don't know how those imprints imprinted us and what it takes to dissolve them. And again, it's it's very unique person by person. So it's all of the things that you suggested. It just depends. Okay, that, that makes sense. And, you know, I'm kind of wondering from a soul's journey too, are those things supposed to happen in some way? I mean, maybe we experience those things as, I want to be careful with how I say this, because it's not like, bad things need to happen for us to grow but where do we draw the line with dissolving something and saying that we accept it and we learn from it and that that was a catalyst for us to grow at a very deep spiritual level like or can we do them both can we say okay now it's the time to let go of that because we learned what we need to learn like how do we make the line with having a an emotional charge on something that happened to us and then ratcheting ourselves up and saying well wait a minute that happened because maybe this happened like maybe my grandmother died when i was really young and that was supposed to happen to get me interested in health and healing and to go on this path i mean how do we does it really even matter maybe i'm asking an irrelevant question but i'm just kind of curious about our emotional charge on traumatic events versus what they have to offer us spiritually oh i love your questions yes yes to all of it so there's no need to, you don't want to go through life trying to dissolve your past, right? Or the things that you've experienced. We choose as a soul to come in and experience certain things. It's like a blueprint of a building. And certainly through life, we have free will choice. So we can change some of the blueprint of a building, but the basic blueprint is there. And we chose to come in this lifetime to experience these things, to grow us at a soul level. Um, and 
it's all wonderful. The only things that we are really looking at is if we feel that we're at a place in our life and we're being held back. And this can be, you know, in health, it can be in career, it can be in relationships, whatever area of our life we're feeling unhappy or unfulfilled in, or we feel like we are in a certain amount of struggle, then we may decide that to release some of the energetic charge on certain things that are holding us back from our decided upon future growth might be helpful. So it's not for the sake of that we want to, and when I say dissolve the energy around it, I don't mean that you'll ever forget the impact of the event or that it doesn't, yes, always will have an impact on your life in certain ways, but but somebody might develop an irrational fear from something like that. And that irrational fear isn't really helping them live their fullest purpose, right? And step into their power. And so maybe that area of things, we just want to kind of you know what I mean? Give some love to and kind of dissipate some of that fear so that people can ultimately become, you know, spiritually whole and stand in their true worth and power, which is why we come here, right? We, I say at a part of the book, we, we come in pretty pure into the life, into this life. And then we receive a lot of programming from our environment, our society, our parents about what life is supposed to be and look like. And sometimes this is not in accordance with our deepest truth. And so we spend much of our life fitting in certain boxes. And then some people have chosen in this lifetime to kind of wake up and say, wait a second, you know what I mean? This doesn't feel good to me, or I'm not happy with this. Maybe I want to make some changes. And that sets off, you know, a series of questions within ourselves, And then the desire to see if we can shift certain things in our life and change our reality. And I call this the know thyself process. And if we take that on, you know, we can live in a different way than what we've kind of been handed. And when I help people come into alignment with who they really are, some, I call it the land of little miracles, um, things start showing up in their life, like really incredible things that blow their minds. And they say, how's this happening? You know, these are miracles. And yes, they are miracles, but they are also just a state of energetic alignment of really living a life authentic to who we are. And I always say that authenticity heals. Oh, I love that. Uh, and in fact, you know, in your book, the word truth shows up about a thousand times. I mean, the, <laughs> the, the impact of truth and, you know, your whole mantra of love plus truth, which is something you stand behind. I mean, truth just shows up everywhere. And um, I'm really feeling like in the 21st century, this is the whole idea of truth versus illusion or what is real, what is fake, that this is coming to big time light for all of us and in a variety of different ways. I'm kind of curious if you could sketch out for me, what does a person who's living their truth, their authentic life look like uh, in, in terms of like, what is their life like? And then what is a person who's not living their true authentic life what what does that look like i mean just because i feel like it's such a high level concept and it's like oh yeah it just feels right but then at the earth level how can we measure up in terms of saying like oh yeah i'm living my authentic life yeah yeah check 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 it's real or we could say no check check no check here, check here, but I don't know about this one. So just kind of paint two scenarios if you can for me. I'm just curious how that would show up in the physical world. Yeah, this is also a great question. So first of all, like in my prior life, I would have never said I was not living my truth, right? So we always believe we're living our truth to some degree until we get maybe small nigglings that like, 
huh, maybe maybe this area of life isn't fitting like a glove anymore, but nobody's generally really walking around just saying, I am so out of alignment. I am so not in my truth. I mean, we don't have that experience because we're in our reality, right? We're just, mm -hmm. we're so in it, we can't see it. We're not observing it, right? And so when we, it's kind of like, until we start a process of maybe looking deeper or wanting to know ourselves more, it's almost in hindsight that we see how out of alignment we were, right? It's just like, just like going to the chiropractor, right? Like maybe your body's been out of alignment for five years and you don't really totally notice it, although you don't feel amazing. Then you go to the chiropractor and he puts your back straight and you're like, oh my gosh, it's a whole new world. You know, it just feels so great. And so it's um, somebody that is living out of alignment is generally experiencing certain symptoms. And those symptoms are feeling like there's something big missing and they might not be able to put their finger on it, feeling really tired and worn out by life. So when we are living a schedule, because again, I want to bring everything down to reality because there's no point in doing energetic work unless you can make it real in this three-dimensional reality. And so if you, when you go through your daily schedule, if it exhausts you and wears you out and makes you just feel like, oh, this is drudgery. Getting up every day is like horrible. You know what I mean? Going to a job I don't like is horrible. You are just out of alignment, right? You're just not living what you came here to do and and it feels heavy and it feels not fun and you might feel grouchy and you might snap at people and you might you know just feel like what's the point like I don't enjoy you know I'm not enjoying this and I used to maybe when I was younger or I was a kid I enjoyed life more and I don't enjoy life now so that is that is a great symptom of just not living on your purpose line and not living in alignment and people when they I call it locking into their alignment they start to first profoundly see truths about their life like wow you know what i mean me going to this job every day is miserable like i'm i'm willing to admit that to myself now or you know the way i am feeding myself is is horrible like and and, and we all have these moments where you might look down at a plate of food and just say I can't do this anymore. You know what I mean? Like, this is not the way I want to live my life. And those are just those wake up moments of like, wow, here's the truth. I'm hurting my body, right? I'm going to a job I don't like. And and those are profound moments because on the tail end of that, something something's going to start to shift just from realizing those truths. And when we really start courageously making small choices to start living more of what we think is right and good, um, we literally change the energy that we have in our body. We, chan we change the frequency that we live at. And I like to equate this to a 10-story building. So when we're at a low frequency, maybe we are experiencing emotions such as anger and resentment and jealousy and shame, guilt often. And we are in cyclical patterns. So if someone says to me, like, I keep dating the same kind of guy and it's horrible and it always we always end up breaking up, that's a cyclical pattern, right? So people might have patterns where they exercise for five days and then they fall off track and then they try to exercise for five days and they fall off track. These are the patterns we live in when we are at a low frequency. If you were to take the elevator and go up to the eighth or ninth or 10th floor of that building, there are no more cyclical patterns. There's a lot of freedom, right? Freedom of time, freedom to be, freedom to share authentically, freedom to be vulnerable in the world. Those are what happens at what I say, the higher frequency levels. So the experience of life changes as we change the energy that we are. And this is not like a totally woo woo process. This is the truth of who we are. We're energy and we can change our energy and it's powerful and we can create with our energy what we want to create in the world. And it's just 
just starting to open the door to that and, and look in those spaces that causes that transformation to happen. You know, as I listen to you, I'm just feeling like how liberating your words are. You know, if somebody were to listen to this and they say like, oh my gosh, I feel so trapped and there is a way out and maybe I'm the way out. And, you know, I'm having this flash of um, an avatar of a woman who maybe is 40. She has maybe three kids. She has to work part time. She's in a relationship that doesn't nourish her. She's got uh, toxic in-laws. She is um, maybe just doesn't have the financial resources. I'm just imagining a person where they just kind of feel like life is a burden. Like I'm almost envisioning this person as like uh, they've got stuff on their shoulders or just weighed down. And how does somebody like that um, really come out of it? Because I get people telling me all the time, they're like, Deanna, you always say live a colorful life. Yeah, well, how do I do that when I've got kids and a job and bills and responsibility? And so like, how do we unpack that, um, I mean, I hear what you're saying and I, I kind of feel like basically it just creates, like if we just took one of our thoughts and started to shift it, it's almost like the whole of us could change. But how do we help people who feel really inundated and they're just like, I don't even know where to begin, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yikes. yeah, totally. And, and the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I want to say that I have somewhat lived some of this. So I, this is not just something I teach. This is, and I talk about in the journey, I mean, the book, my life journey. Um, so I've had the experience of feeling stuck and I've had the experience of like, I don't even know where to begin. Right. I mean, I was not, um, a holistic health professional for most of my life. I, um, was not living my truth for most of my life. So I am a walking example of the possibility. Um, and two things about it is that your thoughts are powerful and they are creating things every day. And it's unfortunate that we're not taught in school where creation comes from and how we create everything in our life. And it really begins with thoughts. And then it's fueled by feelings. Um, and those two things create us to take action. And I talk about this, the creation equation in the book. Um, so step one, which everyone can do, is to start changing our thoughts. If we don't believe that anything can be different, it won't be. And it can't be. That's how powerful you are, right? If you say it can't change, it won't change. And it can't change. If you say it can a door opens, right? Possibility shows up. And people, because we don't stand in our power, we don't believe that, right? We don't believe we have the power to literally change our lives, starting with the thoughts that we think, and we do. It's energy, powerful energy. And once you start to see it happen, and once my clients start to see it happen, it blows their mind. I mean, it feels like, oh my gosh, like I never even knew that that I was this powerful and that this is possible. And so, we can all change a thought. That's something, no matter how busy we are, we're all thinking thoughts all day long. And I would definitely, definitely start there and start just saying to yourself, even if it sounds silly, and even if your mind's like, oh, please, you know, nothing can change because that negative voice likes to talk back to you, right? Um, but just saying, you know, I'm just going to open the door that it's possible that change can happen. And I, and I also want to speak to a second version of this is that a lot of times in life, we believe we need certain things that we don't need. One of the areas that I have changed in my life is that I used to live in a big home at, at a certain point with a closet that was the size of a bedroom that was full of clothes that I never wore. 
And I thought I needed all kinds of things because ultimately I wasn't happy in my life. And so things were a way to make me get happy for a second, right? But it never lasted more than about a second. And when I decided to change my life profoundly, I really realized that the happier I was inside, the less things I needed, that things didn't ultimately make me happy. And so some people say, well, you know, I can't do any work on myself because, you know, it costs so much money and my life costs so much money. And we, we spend a lot of time managing things and paying for things that ultimately aren't making us happy, but take up a lot of our time and energy and our financial resources. And if we step back for a second and say, do I really need this, right? This isn't ultimately making me happy. Do I really need this in my life? And when we kind of simplify the way we do life, we experience more freedom. Okay. The less, right? I love this. Uh, I am so, um, I've been getting more and more into, I, sorry, I just have to interject because I'm just loving yes, this. I love like, the whole minimalistic thing. My, um, It's so funny because my husband loves stuff and I like not having stuff. <laughs> we got to go back yeah. and forth. It's like the dynamic tension. And um, one of the things that you say in your book is celebration is a very high frequency energy. It's a beautiful way of showing gratitude for everything that comes into your life. And I kind of feel like um, what you're saying about that shift of thoughts and all these things, the things that we bring in is, I mean, everything carries energy. So if we have burdened our life with all of these things. It's almost like we have those those invisible cords and threads and energy to all those things. And it just feels like, huh, now we have to take on all of that. Um, and so one of the things that I have used just even personally to help me shift uh, throughout my life is constantly seeing the patterns, exactly what you said about celebration. And I had a spiritual teacher that told me years ago, she's like, Deanna, you are so busy working and working. You're not stopping to eat the peaches off the peach tree that you just grew. She's like, sit under the tree. Now she's talking about this as a metaphor, sit under the tree and eat the peach, get messy with the peach, enjoy the juice, the flavor. And it really became true about how, you know, just showing appreciation and the more and more you do that, and the more you, and more you realize like the patterns of how people show up, and it's like those are the things that you need more than anything physical, right? I mean, we need the basics of life, but I feel like, gosh, when we start to see those patterns and people and conversations and relationships, like the intangibles, you know, just even having appreciation for that, that's that creates a groundswell of energy. So I really like what you said about that. I'm just excited as you speak about this, because I can so relate, because I've had my own challenges with that whole piece. Yeah, and it's interesting, because minimalism, the idea of minimalism is, is, you know, there's some people that it's less than, I think it's less than 50 things that you live with, which is, you know, an extreme wow. for a lot of people. Um, but, but the idea of minimalism is just, what do I really need to live, right? If I don't have closets and garages and extra bedrooms full of furniture and things. And it is um, ultimately at our deepest level, we crave freedom and we crave connection and we crave fulfillment. And when we don't have those things, those, those, feelings, right? Like connection with people, which, uh, you know, with a lot of technology that's interrupted that and we don't feel heard and loved and understood. We tend to accumulate things, 
right? Because it gives us an instantaneous mm -hmm. like high, right? We're like, oh, I got this new house or car or piece of furniture or piece of clothing. And we feel a connection for a second, but that connection is not real and it drops right off. And then we go back to feeling the disconnection in our life or the lack of love, or we feel like unfulfilled. And then we want another thing, right? That's going to like make us happy for a second. And when we, we start to understand that patterning that goes on, we can start to really address what we ultimately want which is you know time freedom people want freedom to love who they love freedom to you know spend their day how they want freedom to go where they want i mean these are things that are core like beliefs and needs in people and when we get to what the truth is right like what we really need then we don't need to accumulate a lot of extra things that just like you said are an energetic tie that are pulling on us either financially or just like gosh i have so much stuff in my space right i can't think straight Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, there's so much truth to what you just said. And I just want to do a quick recap for everybody listening. I wrote down these words that you just said. We all want freedom, connection, and fulfillment. I'm almost seeing you doing an Instagram post on that one. <laughs> freedom, <laughs> connection, fulfillment, those three words. And it is so true. And I think at different times of our lives, we may want different amounts of those. I mean, I kind of feel like in my late 40s now, I feel like freedom ultimately. Like I just love the peace of mind that freedom brings. Um, and of course, I value connection and always um, connecting to that sense of fulfillment. But Gosh, you know, th those words just ring so true. Thank you for mentioning that. Shauna, um, I'm curious. So uh, your book, The Soul Frequency, this is your first book, and it is filled with, truly with soul, and it is such a high vibration book. When people ask you about it, like what is this whole thing of energy, right? You usually think people think of energy, they think of, and you even approach this in the first chapter or so, like usually when people think energy, they're thinking like, oh, calories, or am I fatigued or not? How do you talk about a concept? I'm kind of going backwards now and in, in kind of like funneling us down to the close of the conversation with like, what is essentially the distillation for you with the book? Like if you were in an elevator with somebody thinking of going to that 10th floor that you spoke of, like, what are you saying to people at a very high level about energy? Well, it's something that we all experience and we just don't think we experience it. So if we go to a party and we see someone and we feel a connection before we even speak to them, we'll say, oh my gosh, she has a great vibe we're feeling her energy, uh -huh. right? We're feeling, I like that energy yeah. and I want to go talk to this person. It's not everybody in the room you're going to feel that way with. And that just means you have energy that's resonating in a similar frequency. And so I've just discovered that I think, you know, kind of the secret of the universe and the secrets within us lie in energy and in the power of our emotion. And we don't talk about those very much, right? We talk about food and we talk about exercise and we talk about all these other things. And sometimes, you know, I think in, in a lot of different ways, the true power re that resides within us is hidden from us. Mm. And there's reasons why, you know, we don't hear about it very much. And if you study any ancient cultures and ancient, you know, methodologies for healing, there's a lot of wisdom in that, right? Like what we, what cultures used way back in the day. And so I'm just taking some wisdom that I've remembered in my life and rediscovered and making it practical to everybody's daily life. Cause like, 
you know, I'm not sitting meditating every day on, you know, a mountain in India. I'm living life just like everybody else's. And these things work down to the most practical, practical detail and in every single area of our life. And so I just, through the lens of my own transformation, because I like to be real vulnerable and authentic with that I've walked the walk. And so I tell that story in the book to give people the courage that they can too. Oh my, <laughs> it's so true. Uh, you just gave me goosebumps. And um, uh, again, I really do appreciate your book and everything that you have brought through. I, whenever I see books that, and people that can bridge that authenticity um, gap, as I call it, and also bring the physical into the spiritual and spiritual into the physical, I just feel like that's where we're going. And you've completely... Uh, nailed it with your book. So again, just want to do a, a recap for everybody. The Soul Frequency is the name of Shauna's book. And uh, if you go to the soulfrequency.com, that's where you can find her information. Shauna, is there anything else that you'd like to leave with the listener? Any um, other websites or any other places to follow you or to even work with you? I, I think that, um, you know, you've had hundreds if not thousands of uh, interesting clients and cases and so and you still see people even today so um, uh, if you want to just put a shout out uh, to how people can work with you yeah absolutely um, they can get the book direct and the four bonuses with the book at the soulfrequencybook.com um, so that's just a page about the book and then if they're interested in sessions they can go to the soulfrequency.com and there's a little tab that says programs and a drop down that says sessions and they can schedule a session there perfect and uh, before we close uh, one quick question for you something personal what's one thing that you do for your energy on a daily basis and I know that that's like a big question because we just talked about a lot of different things but is there one small thing that uh, you seem to incorporate every day even if it's how you think or a ritual just anything small yeah, when I wake up every morning, I ask myself, what am I resisting in my life? Because resistance sneaks in and we resist the truth. We resist doing what we need to be doing in life or what was going to ultimately make us happy. It's just part of the way that the human brain is wired. And so I always ask myself that question every morning to just make sure that I can get aware of anywhere that I'm resisting. Because if I'm aware of it, I can do something about it. If it's hidden and I'm not aware of it, it's not in my conscious mind, then it's kind of like programming running under the surface. And so I just always want to bring it up to conscious thought so I can shift it if I need to. What am I resisting? I'm going to have to remember that one. I'm going to put that on a little post-it note. <laughs> Thank you. Good one. Oh, it is a good one. Thank you so much for your cosmic wisdom. Thank you for your big heart. Thank you for your passion to really help people shift and uh, doing all that all through your own personal story of transformation. Thank you so much, Shauna. It's been great to have Aww. you. So fun. Thank you for having me on. This has been a blast.